Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me on the show today, Debbie G and Neo Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And a Merry Christmas to everybody. We have a full house today because we've got a couple of extra people joining us. We've got uh, Debbie G's house, Joe, joining us on the show. Hey there, Joe. How you doing? Good morning. I'm awesome. Thanks for You're having doing me. Good. good. Nice yeah. shot of a Christmas tree back there. And my own lovely wife, Louise, is also joining us for the first time in a long time. She's the one who started the show with me many, many years ago. And Louise, hey, good to have you Hello. Back. Merry Christmas, Hello. everybody. And everybody's in their Christmas duds and looking good. Debbie G's been a little bit under the weather, but she's looking like she's feeling a whole lot better. You look like you are anyway. I love that. Well, you know, I was, we can't, we're getting a slight feedback here. Uh, what I, yeah. Um, well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, yeah, I have been not feeling the hottest <clears> and. Uh, what I told Joe was when I was in the hospital really, really sick for like four weeks one time, I used to put my makeup on every day so I could fool everybody. It didn't work, but still, I was trying. I was like, <laughs> excuse me. Oh, goodness. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I, but yeah, so I say Mac makes everybody look better. I don't even know what to tell you. You could be on your deathbed and using Mac and be all right. I just, oh, wow. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> So if anybody's dying, uh, you know, just put your Mac on. Sorry if you're dying. Sorry, that was horrible. Lately, <laughs> 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 okay. So you know, we're gonna call that. We're gonna. That's cold medicine talking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now I have to give the credit is due. This this episode was basically instigated by Neo because Neo said he wanted to meet Louise at one point, and so we kind of use this date that we're doing we're recording this on christmas eve as the opportunity so neo here we are we got you into the place you asked for you mean not you <laughs> the first one not only are you meeting louise you're also meeting joe so hey you know what one of the truest things that life has taught me that i i guess i didn't believe it as a child was that uh behind every man uh is a great woman that's too up Listen here, sound, pitch. Walt, Your you voice is up. sounding almost like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin and the Chipmunks. She's telling you to man up. She's <laughs> man up. Stay, stay with your chest. <laughs> no, but, you know what? Behind every man is a great woman. Uh, I learned that a while ago, and because um, I didn't have my mom growing up, so I, I didn't know how to take that when I first heard it in like high school. Um, and my dad, you know, is such a great man. He's my best friend. But since then, I've learned that to be very, very true. And as I've gotten to know Walt, and he impresses me every time we have a conversation. And um, I appreciate how much on his game he is as far as learning more new mental exercises to improve himself and the people around him. So I was like, I got to meet the woman behind this man. And I've been thinking <laughs> that ever since we did our first show together. So when I asked him, and he was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't think it was going to be that easy. Like, I've done this a long time ago. So it is my pleasure to meet you. And well, uh, thank, thank you for coming much. on. Thank you. And I, I have to tell you, actually, it's the other way around. If, it, if anything, I'm the one who's behind her. I mean, she's like the out front person most of the time in our lives. So, you know, LOA today is a little bit of an exception to that rule. But yeah, she's, she, she's the number one person here, no doubt. All right, folks. 
Down off the pedestal. <laughs> down off the pedestal. I'm a human being. We and work as a too. team. We work as it. a team in our marriage, in the business. Um, it, it's, it takes the two of us. Um, but the, the positive thing is we listen and we talk things out and we bounce stuff off each other. Um, and it hasn't happened so much lately, but I'll sort of a yin and yang kind of thing. I do something, he does the other part without us even talking about it. So we fill in for each other without even conversing. Um, but we do find that we have similar thoughts as far as doing something. I'll say, hey, you know, how about we do this and such? Oh, I already did it, or I already made the call, or I picked it up at the store, or whatever. Um, so we're on the same wavelength a lot of the time, which is nice. But we don't take it for granted that the other one's always going to do that. Yeah, you can't. I'm super curious as to when you first learned about law of attraction, like how you learned it from the secret, your parents taught you and, uh, and how you've used it since then. Oh gosh. Well, I didn't know about the law of attraction at the time, but I can tell you exactly on what street corner I was stopped at in Burlington, Vermont, when I made the decision that I was going to stop watching as much negative TV or movies or books that I was going to make a conscious effort to find things that made me feel good when I watched them or did them or whatever. Um, it was many, many, many years later. Um, I don't remember how long we had been married, Walt, at least two years, two or three years. Um, when Walt talked to me about the secret and oh yeah, it was, was like six, six or seven years. Yeah. Into the because marriage. The secret, yeah. Cause the secret uh, was published in 2006 and I found it in 2007. So actually it was oh, all right. So eight. that much yeah. longer. Um, yeah. we started talking about it and I had been focused on a more positive, um, attitude in life in that I was never clinically depressed, clinic, or I was never diagnosed clinically, but I think I was always sort of low-grade depressed as a kid and was tired of it, just really tired of it, and realized that there were things that I could do or read or watch that would elevate my mood, so why not? Um, the struggle was there wasn't that much out there. Um, and my friends weren't positively focused. So trying to find what tidbits. But Walt read The Secret. I'd heard about The Secret and watched, I think, some of her interviews on Oprah. But it didn't really catch for me until Walt and I started talking about it. And you probably remember it more clearly, Walt, than I do. Um, my long-term memory's not that great. <laughs> no, you so, got it pretty accurate, I'd say. That's pretty much what happened. And it became do you remember a what? Do you remember what led up to my doing the first show with you? Yeah, I asked you. 
<laughs> it was really straightforward. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. I, I originally, if I, as I remember it, I originally wanted to do it with you, me, my brother, and my sister-in-law. And we ended up doing the second episode with them. But I also had figured out how the thing was working, and they weren't ready to do it, do it yet. So you agreed to do the first show with me, and then uh, we did the first 20 minutes and found that nothing had been recorded, and then we started again. <laughs> So yep. all the fun. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, what, do you remember that spark that first said, I'm going to make a show? Like, you remember where you were and what you were thinking about just before that? I can't tell you that I was thinking we're going to make a show. What I can tell you is I had been thinking for about a six to 12 month period. How can I get myself to find the information that I needed to fill in the gaps. Cause for me, there were gaps like for many people who, who watch the secret or listen to or read the book. Um, there, there are gaps that, that just, you couldn't quite put together. It didn't make sense. And so I needed people to talk to, but I didn't know anyone to talk to. So I figured, well, what are the options? How can I do that? And podcasting I knew had been around for a little bit, but it hadn't really uh, taken on in a huge way. And yet it was, popular enough, I figured, well, maybe if I set up a podcast, I can find some experts and say, hey, come on to my podcast. Let's talk about the law of attraction. Then I learned some stuff. And so that's what I did. That's that moment right there when you're like, it's born. That idea is born. Yeah. I, I had, it was like two in the morning the other day. And I love doing these things. You guys know, um, Joe and Luis, you guys probably don't know, every night from midnight till two in the morning, um, I basically hit record. I just get real meditative and I, and I spew whatever comes to me. And a lot of times I end up describing my experience as a cop. A lot of times I'll just go down. Um, like if I'm ever feeling down or if I need a morale boost, I'll do like Debbie always teaches me, which is to, you know, discover my awesomeness to say the things about me that are the bomb and, you know, being a cop in the most dangerous city in America and chasing people down dark alleyways five nights a week is one of the most kick-ass things I've ever done. <laughs> um, and so that leads, that spawns me into some kind of story. And so it just clicked on me. I want to do a show called When I Was a Cop. And then that's it. When I was a cop, this, da, 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 da. when I was a cop, it was like this. And so, yeah, I kind of started I, that night. I made the Facebook group. That was like two, three days ago. And um, the next time I, you know, when I'm not crazy holiday family, I'm going to start, you know, just doing videos and just freestyling whatever story comes to mind. Like, it's just, it's going to be beautiful. I can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that, that uh, you've been playing with that. That's cool. It's that, it's that moment when you had that spark. I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's, and it's just, you don't know what it's going to birth, but we're here years later, you know, so much more knowledge, so much more positivity. Uh, I, I got to jump in. I got to jump in. You guys talk about spark, spark that G vibe. It's your gratitude vibration. Spark. But we're all the spark. We're all the spark of the divine. I resonated a lot with, with uh, all of you, but Louise, what I loved is that you were talking about that low grade depression, that, that thing that kind of hang, hangs on there until that we start recognizing it and seeing it. 
And what I love is that you're, you're, let's talk a little bit about your background because what I want people to know that are watching is that not only did you recognize it, but this was sort of your field of study. And it was also what you did for a living was, uh, was it psychotherapy or psychology? Psychotherapy. Yeah. Psychotherapy. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, back up a little. I got my undergrad degree in um, psychology, primarily child psych. Um, didn't, you know, didn't identify that I was depressed per se. I just knew I wasn't a happy person. Um, but probably no more, no less than anybody else. Um, had major family trauma, I guess, when I was 21, my mom died. And I did go to see a therapist um, associated with the school I was going to and talk to the empty chair. I'm like, ah, <laughs> no, which is a technique. Um, just, you know, didn't work for me. And went off, graduated worked for a while at a job and then went off and was a ski bum for five years in Vermont and didn't realize till I think it was the second summer, maybe it was the first or second summer, why was I there? And it dawned on me, this was the socialization I didn't get in college because I lived at home all but one year. So I didn't get that dormitory um, experience. But this was the partying, the going out dancing, the friendship, the having fun kind of stuff um, without the burden of <laughs> exams and <laughs> classrooms, <laughs> which was nice. Um, and then I moved to Northern Vermont for five years, but I was one of the guys that I uh, was waiting tables and one of the guys said to me, you know, what are you doing wasting your time doing this? And it resonated, and I decided to go to grad school and looked around for something that would interest me as a therapist. And as you may know, most graduate programs require the GREs or the graduate record exams before you can enter. It's like SATs. Well, I'm terrible at those, and I didn't want to have to do it. Very stressful. And I found a graduate program in marriage and family therapy that didn't require GREs, didn't require um, a final thesis or anything like that. It was mostly experiential. And I said, this sounds perfect to me. So I moved from Northern Vermont to Connecticut to go to school and got my degree and began working as a psychotherapist. And most of my 10 years was working in and around uh, drug and alcohol rehab. Um, I moved into more of doing the family therapy, doing family groups, and then doing women's groups. Um, and that's where I learned about codependency. That's the one of the first times I heard the word codependency and started going to CODA meetings, which is a 12-step program you may be familiar with. Um, and I just found what I was looking for, um, the spiritual and the psychological and the friendships. Um, it made sense. And that 
I couldn't change anybody else. I could only change myself. So um, part of our graduate school program was you, they, they didn't require it, but they recommended you be in therapy. And I finally found a therapist whose motto was grow or go. And it was basically change your behavior. You know, it was, what was, and I'm a, a retired gardener. So it was like pull the weeds and plant the seeds. So identifying what wasn't working and at CODA meetings, you heard from other people what they were doing that was working for them. Um, and you could tailor it to fit what might work for for oneself. And I made leaps and bounds in that. Um, and realized, you know, life could be better. Um, it was on me, though. The responsibility was me. It wasn't, you know, that I needed to change my friends or the people around me. I had to change how I re- reacted or responded more so to them. And uh, Can I ask you something real quick? Sure. If you can remember, what was the, I guess, the best technique you had, I guess, learned? You know, whether it be from someone else learned it and you were like, oh, that might work for me or from an instructor or a book. Like, what back in that time, what was the best one you learned from there? Best thing. Like technique. Gosh. I don't, I don't think it was a technique. It was just a mindset. Um, and knowing that I was responsible, I had to change my behavior. So, um, just listening a lot to what other people were saying worked for them. Um, and getting the feedback. Those CODA meetings, because especially one of them, I went to like three a week at least, but one of them, there was a lot of help in the meeting. You can go to some and people just regurgitate their problems and don't move forward. But there was a lot of help and that spurred me on. It wasn't a competition, but it was like, hey, if he can do that or she can get better, I can too. Um, so it was, it was more that network of people and support that you don't get in the larger uh, population because most people hadn't identified or didn't even know the word codependency. So I think it was just being in that group and getting that support and the ideas um, and the feedback when I would make progress. And then I really love it. I w- well, I just wanted to jump in really quick because you've said so yeah. many powerful things. One of the things I heard you say that I love was that you took self-responsibility. And that's huge because if anybody has ever been in any situation, whether it's codependent or, or addicted, to it, that's all a symptom of the underlying things. But taking self-responsibility to me was huge. The other was that you pull the weeds and you plant the seeds. <laughs> Identify what's going on, pull the weeds and plant the seeds. And if you all are watching right now, Type that into the chat. Pull the weeds, plant the seeds. We're heading into the holidays right now. And the reason I really wanted to emphasize a little bit with this, uh, Louise, is because so many people, uh, they, they get so downtrodden on the holidays. Like it's the end of the world, you know, because, because we put such a big thing around all of this. So mm-hmm. that's how I, that's why I wanted you to elaborate 
And sometimes it's really hard for people to hear that they are the creator and the, and also responsible, responsible for how life is going because we've been so busy. If, if we've been busy blaming the whole world for our problems. Mm-hmm. So Neo, is it safe to consider that what you were asking for was that shift right there? But I think what she said was it was perspective. You know, I, I, I took it all in and another huge part was uh, feedback. I don't know if I took that. Right. But being in that setting with a bunch of people who love you and are going through the same things as you, it just does something, especially when they verbalize any type of gratitude um, for the universe or towards you. It does something to mm-hmm. the air. And it's like it's like spiking the punch in the room. And it's uh, that's another huge thing. I actually wrote that down uh, that I want to make sure that um giving feedback, you know, mm-hmm. People that I don't normally give it to because just, you know, it's just life. Yes. Uh, So starting with right outside of that door, you know, the people that are there and um, that's a beautiful thing. So, yeah. And the owning your stuff. Oh my goodness. OYS, I call it. (laughs) That in the law of attraction is a dangerous bug because that means that bad thing that happened to you, you have to look at it and say, what did I do to attract that into my life? That's a huge step in, in, in progress that we, in this group uh, are going to have a nice time spreading to the word, world. <laughs> it's one of those, oh, shoot, me- you know, moments. It's like, you know, I, I did it to myself. Well, and you probably, Joe, you might not have heard. I got sick, what, in 2018. And right around, I got diagnosed right after Thanksgiving. And my thyroid was all out of whack. And if you don't know, thyroid affects every part of your body. And having to realize I did it to myself. You know, that wasn't something from outside. That was just related. And that was something I did to myself. But I also... Yep. Well, she's, she's having she's having connection issues. I can hear her in the other room. <laughs> well, you're stealing all her internet juice right now. You're Seriously, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know what? We haven't we haven't heard from Joe at all. She's trying to get. She's trying to connect. In. Yeah. Well, well, I love where she was going with this because it comes down to that accountability and self accountability, and also the law of appreciation is the law of attraction. And if you don't have the law of appreciation, hang it up. He's going to go help. I'm going to drop Louise <laughs> down for just a minute here uh, while he goes. And Walt, I want to hear down. I want I want to hear Joe's take. Where did you learn law of attraction, and how long did it take you to start implementing it? And you, you know, it's it's a uh, it was interesting listening to her story, Louise's story, and and uh, and and I was thinking about it, and uh, it's been such an interesting journey this year. You know, this this year has been um, just a marvelous whirlwind of of uh, events and emotions and transformations for me. Um, I I didn't know anything about the law of attraction up until earlier this year. So um, I don't think you know much about me, Neil, but uh, a few years ago, I was a pretty heavy drinker. And partier and 
that was kind of my life and had been for a long time. And I decided to change that. And for a couple of years there, I thought that was, that was good enough. You know, that's all I needed to do was change that in my life and everything else was going to fall into place. And for a while it seemed, it seemed true. It seemed that was, that was good enough. And then I come to realize earlier this year that I was, I was searching for something else. Um, I needed, uh, more. And then, you know, uh, I met Debbie and, um, and then I got involved in Taya and, uh, just all of this stuff has started coming together. And Debbie, as you guys know, is just a wealth of information into, uh, all of these different areas, um, that she just constantly is introducing me to. And, and at times it's, it's almost overwhelming, but it's, I also appreciate it. It's just, I kind of has to piece it by piece. And I'm still, I feel like I'm still a baby, still trying to figure all this stuff out, to be honest with you. So I don't know that I've had that light bulb moment yet. I'm still kind of got one foot in the dark and one in the light and still working it all out. So Debbie, would you say he had that light moment already? I'm going to just, I look, I, what I can tell you is this for each of us, it comes to this realization of wanting to own your shit. Just like you said there, Neo and the dark and the light. It's an acceptance that we create both and that both are there for us. And, and each of us come to our own moment individually. I can't. So we all know that a caterpillar goes to become a butterfly. And when it becomes that butterfly, it comes out of the cocoon. And if you go over and you start trying to cut the butterfly out of the cocoon before it's ready to come out of the cocoon, you've now killed the butterfly. And in essence, uh, it looks like Louise is still having problems. I'll go ahead and just <clears throat> pop it back here like this um, and bring them right back as soon as as soon as they get that fixed. So in essence, what I'm telling you is that I have caught myself several times trying to cut Joe out of his cocoon. I got some scissors. Oh, yo, I'm going to cut that shit right out. And yeah, I've been slicing myself at some cocoons. Yeah, let's like it's not it, it's not it's the path of most resistance. The path of least resistance is is to practice the art of non-interference. I say this all the time, but Lord help me if I'm not going right into it. My like, oh Lord, here I go again, interfering with some shit that I, it's like, Jesus, we're in these, we are created in the womb for nine months perfectly. We don't need outside help. We don't need anything. This has been going on for centuries. Right now, I, I want to talk about my DNA thing in a minute about that, but We've been doing this for a long time, but then we're, we come out of the womb and our parents and we, I did this and all y'all who were parents did this. I got this from here. Thank you. You did a great job. I'm going to, I'm going to make this. It just, I made this human. No, I didn't actually make the human. I had sex and made a human. My body made the human. The freaking, the universe made the human. The divine creation that resides within me made the human. But yet we want to try and, and think that we're going to control or make the human do. It just doesn't make sense. To cut somebody out of their cocoon before they're ready to cut them out is actually, it harms the relationship. It actually harms the person. Because 
though as badly as I would love for for everybody to be able to see that there is there is more light you can't without your dark you wouldn't know your spark so until you learn to love the dark you won't you you may not see your your spark I don't know but it's an individual process that uh, that is you know requires I would love to just download all my stuff into Joe's head but that's not how this works he may not need everything I need right Louisa you just want to go here just don't you see go 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 do all this <laughs> I'm laughing because that was our relationship in the beginning because I was much more positively focused and I would point stuff out to all even as simple as when he would go for his daily walks, you know, look around, notice stuff. It was totally. years. And then he finally was like, I'm doing it. It makes a difference. It's like, you know, or somebody else, you know, somebody on the show said something that maybe I had said years before, but until he's ready to hear it or I'm ready to hear it or Joe or anyone is ready to hear it, all you can do is offer. Yeah, but not getting all, I would get, I bet, did you find yourself like getting in, in it, like in it, you know, like so invested in it. And then my time and energy gets invested in something that isn't even mine to invest in. Somebody else's healing work is not mine to go and step in and invest my own energy. That's an old codependent. We all know that. Let's call it what it is. That's an old codependent. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that means that my, tra my training as a therapist taught me was I can't want it, the recovery more than the other person does. And what I want for them may not be what they want for them. And I have to back out and let it go. All I can do is offer the information, the support, whatever it might be. But I can't make them get well if they aren't. They don't want it. You know what would be a good, I think is a good sign of that, because I look for signs and things and try to reverse diagnose and see how things work. It's just like, this isn't, you're not trying to convince them to switch coffees. <laughs> you're not trying to convince them to switch football teams, which would be even harder. You're trying to get, you're trying to get them to switch the biggest thing that a person has in their life, which, you know, their belief, what they hold on to. And um, so that, that that's probably a good sign that you shouldn't you should just leave that one alone. <laughs> well, I, I I love that. I want to also commend though. Look, there's a, Joe. Let's look at all the things you are doing that are. You, you look at the things that you are doing. You're taking these steps, and so I want to also talk about comparison versus compersion. You know, comparison is when we are we're comparing ourselves to another person to 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 continue to enforce the story that we're telling ourselves that we're not good enough versus compersion, which is to be in joy and elation for others' accomplishments and achievements and celebrate them. So there's a big difference between the two. And I think that when we're going through this, sometimes that comparison can creep its ugly little weary head up, which is just part of our ego. My ego is ridiculous sometimes. Jeez, I look at, I go, would you stop already? <laughs> Jesus, man. Lord, help me. Oh, Lord. Well, that's part of the fun. That, that's the other, the, night, the other night I was trying my heart. I said, I'm going to sit here, and out of all my mental exercises, I'm just going to 
wait and see what comes and see if I can see how long I can hold it. That was my whole point. See how long I can hold this stillness. And it just got to the point where I was like, dang, like, stop. And like, why would you, why bring that? Why now? Like, no. And it was just so ridiculous. The things that were popping up. And it was like that book, the untethered soul was like children clamoring for your attention. And you literally can either give it to them or you don't. But Debbie, real quick, uh, the Calm app. I'm doing a meditation, 30 days of meditation. I'm on day 23 or day tw- day 22. He was talking about empathy versus compassion. And he said, he said, think of someone that brings pain to your mind, someone that's going through something. I'm like, I don't want to meditate about this today. I want to click to the skip to the next one. Or go back. <laughs> I said, you know what? Let me take it. Let me take it. And so I was thinking about a particular person, uh, one of my cousins, uh, who's always got this cloud over him. And he said, empathy, you're feeling what they're feeling and kind of manifesting that into your life. Don't want to do that. So he says, compassion. He said, think these words. He said, may he be well. He said, just keep saying it over and over and over again as you think about this person and see what it, what you feel. And I kept doing it. And it was amazing. May he be well is totally different from sitting in someone else's funk. It does something else. But what really helped me was I switched it kind of still didn't like it with him. And I switched it to the other person in my life that brings most of the drama to me. The only drama in my life is my son, uh, missing nah. school and grades and stuff. And so I just, <laughs> as I'm thinking, it's hitting me. Oh, he missed school. Oh, his grades. Uh, he only got three classes. I had eight and it was easy for me. You know, I'm going through all this stuff. And uh, cause he's only got three classes a day. Come on, man. Um, and so as I'm thinking these things, I'm like, may he be well, may he be well, may he be well, and it totally revamped everything because in the meditation, it gives you a couple minutes to do it. Right. And then he told, he flipped it. May I be well. He used it for body pain. May I be well. May it be well. And what you're putting out is a is completely different side of the spectrum of what you would normally be putting out when feeling that empathy for that person. So please, you guys, use that. Use it today. Try it. May he be well. May she be well. May I be well. And I I love that. I love that, Neo, but I really want to unpack empathy a little bit here because my understanding of empathy is actually a little bit different. Sympathy is feeling sorry for other people and getting up into their crap and, and fully being sympathetic. Empathy to me is the ability to have understanding, to seek the understanding of what another human's going through. It's not to get in their shit with them. It's seriously to just have a deeper, a willingness to know what's real for another person, to not call it into your life, but to seek to understand them. Because if I'm seeking to understand, I can hold space and love for them without trying to step in and change them. You see, um, I'm curious what Walt, Louise, and Joe think about empathy versus compassion. Though I do agree with you because compassion, compassion is also holding that space, but I feel like they have to work together in order to achieve that that goal of actually for someone to feel loved, we're all here to be loved. We're all here to walk each other home, as Ram Dass said. So if that's so true, then don't empathy and compassion work together? And maybe if it's in our understanding, is it our understanding of empathy that, that might be what we need to see? I could, yeah, I could have it wrong. I thought being an empath meant you could like feel what other people were feeling. So that's where I took Okay, I, I, I just got to get all up in this now. Okay, so empath. Everybody's walking around going, I'm an empath. 
Oh, beautiful. So I'm a trauma baby that's learned to detect when shit's going awry in that room. And I know, and it comes up in my body. You understand. And empath is, is, is another codependent trauma baby. Suck your thumb term. I'm sorry. Be an empath out there, people. Whatever. Don't be that, y'all. But, but empathy, empathy is the ability to be understanding, to be able to, to, to look at somebody else and be willing to see their perspective and not tell them they're wrong, bad, right, wrong, stupid. And I am guilty of doing the bad, right, wrong, stupid thing all the time because my ego, she's a bitch sometimes. Um, true. <laughs> sorry. It's true. Y'all, I'm not sorry. I, myself. <coughs> <laughs> So empathy, empathy. Yes. Something popped up for me, and I'm glad you brought this up this summer. Um, Sitting outside with one of my neighbors, and we live in a complex, and one of the other neighbors walked by, and she walks very, very erect, um, like a model would. And my initial reaction was, oh, haughty. You know, she thinks really well of herself. And really quick to judge. And then I'm like, wait a minute. That may be something she was forced to do or did to gain approval or acceptance or whatever. You never know what is underneath. Um, and who, well, who was it that recommended Ted Lasso to us? That was uh, Cindy, Cindy Chavez. Okay. Cindy recommended this TV show to us. And if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, I highly recommend it. Um, you have to get through the first couple more. episodes. They're a little painful. Yeah. But once you get past them, they're great. <laughs> and you're scratching your head like, what? But it gets better. But one of Ted's skills. Oh, hi there. Skills. I said he would he's make a guest appearance beyond. today. He did, yes. <laughs> say hi. Hi. Merry Christmas. Hello, Mark. Look. Is that what a you got Christmas there? present? Bulldozer, dump truck, and an excavator. I didn't know what an excavator was. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And there he goes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but one of Ted's abilities is to realize that people have, there's something underneath that's triggering people to behave the way they are in obnoxious ways or mean-spirited or hurtful, whatever it might be. And that what their issue is does come out in the show. And I think that kind of helped me to reinforce, and maybe that's my goal for this year this next year is to, you know, even as a therapist, you think, oh, that would be a snap. But no, it's not. Um, when you're sitting in my office or when I was a therapist, you know, I could I could read you pretty quickly and have some idea of what was going on that you weren't talking about. Um, but in the larger scheme of things, I can be quick to judge. And it's like, no, stop it. You know, the because somebody is so negatively focused or carries themselves in a certain way, you don't know what went before 
um, that has resulted in that. And beautiful explanation <laughs> of empathy, gorgeous explanation of empathy. You don't know. And and that is that is such a a beautiful uh, story right there, how that you saw somebody and then started thinking about what might be what may have went on to have this happen. It's actually something that Louise Hayes talked a lot about uh, in uh, she she went through this whole thing where she was only looking and seeing people as an infant. Imagining they're they're they are just a this pure and perfect being brought into this earth. So what you're talking about is brilliant because that really lets us let's examine how that we are looking at them because we're all judging somebody based upon the filter of our own experiences. We don't know what's went on for other people. And that's why empathy is important to be an empath though, to be very clear. Do you understand that that's our body had been trained to go walk into, we walked into a room when we were three or four, we saw there was danger. We learned to detect danger. We learned to get really good with it. People can call it whatever that they want, but the fact of the matter is that's where some of those uh, behavior patterns began. Mm -hmm. So there is a big difference, though, between the two. And I love the compassion that you can show somebody because that very person that we walk in and judge. And Louise, I love this because if you you're able to offer them friendship or a kind word. In that moment. That's what touches their heart. That's what they see. That's what that's what they feel. So Joe was saying before while, when you were off having a uh, um, getting set back up that, yeah, he was he was saying that he quit drinking a couple years ago and that he's still like in between that dark and that light. Not sure if he's seen that spark yet. And I'm curious about what both of you have to elaborate on. And Joe. Um, also hearing from you to see where you're sitting right now with with how you're feeling about the things that we've been discussing, too. Do you want to go first, what I can tell you, What I can tell you is in those 10 years that I was a therapist, law of attraction and positivity were not conscious parts of what I did. I got out of the business just, well, I got out of grad school, um, just, I think, as that was starting to turn, that positive psychology was starting to um, show itself. And what I would offer, Joe, is part of, I think, any recovery from anything is at least a balance of the dark and the light. So, you know, if I'm having a, a struggle well, what's good, you know? And while you may have shared this on the show, so if I'm repeating myself, we, when we first started doing this, we started playing games and it was positivity games. And a lot of it was, okay, we called it the ABC game. You're A, I'm B, you're C, I'm D. We go through the alphabet and words, positive words. So what's a positive word that begins with A? What's a positive word that begins with B? Or at night before going to bed, share three positives with each other that happened during that day. Um, and Joe, I don't know what your recovery um, consists of, and I don't need to, but I know when I worked in drug and alcohol recovery, they talked about flexing the muscle, getting used to picking up the phone to call your sponsor, not just when, you know, 
thinking, oh, I'll just call when I'm in trouble. No, because you haven't flexed the muscle. You haven't strengthened it. It doesn't happen. you got to do it on a regular basis. So the positivity stuff, doing it on a regular daily basis of what are three good things that happened today? Or what are three things, positive things I want to have happen today? Um, at least three. And then you can expand that. Or even in recovery, what, what are three things I like about myself? And it can be my pinky toe on my right foot, I, you know, or it can be something internal. But finding three positives that you can say out loud or write or just acknowledge to begin to shift the mind and the brain chemistry. Yeah, I, I definitely second that. In fact, I think what we're really talking about here are daily practices, uh, which somebody, I'm not sure, Debbie, you know, somebody punched into the, the chat here. but uh, I've tried here. I forgot the word positive. But... Well, that's all right. You know, you, <laughs> hey, you got the essence in there. That's really the main thing. So as far as I'm concerned, kudos. Uh, but the, the, the dailiness of it. Doing it every yeah. single day. I mean, Neil, you were talking earlier about how you've been, you're on day 23 of this practice you're working on. And, and it's the continu continuous everyday application of it that makes the biggest difference. I remember when I first started doing mirror work, which is where you look into a mirror and basically say these things that uh, Louise was referring to. But you say, I'm looking into your own eyes. I love you. That first day was like, oh, I love you. Ugh. But, you know, you do it often enough. You do it every single day. And after a while, it's I love you. It feels a whole lot different because you're doing it every day. It's the everyday aspect of it that builds you up. And, and that's what the beauty is of all of these practices. Um, Debbie, you raised the question earlier about the empathy versus empath. I, I have to admit, I think about it a little bit differently, which is one of the cool things about doing a show like this. Everybody has a little bit different definitions of things. Um, I, I like your definitions. I think they're good. Uh, for myself, an empath is just somebody who feels other people's stuff. And that can go any different way. I mean, there are some people who, like you say, are empaths in that, oh, I got to dive into everybody's horrible stuff and I'm going to bring myself down in the process. I'm going to have this whole you know, angry fest going on and so forth. That's one way to be an empath. Another way to be an empath is to feel somebody else's stuff and say, you know what, I'm going to turn that around. I feel that that person's in a really bad space, so I'm going to put myself into a good space and see if I can send that back to them, see what they get. And maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't, but hey, what's the worst thing that happens? They don't get it. Yeah, so what, you know? That's going to take, that takes a lot of practice. It does. I encourage everybody to get to practice. Oh, yeah. That takes a lot because, you, you know, your dad your family member, you love them, you care about them. As soon as you start to picture that situation they're in, you kind of do drop in frequency, you know, because you love them. Yeah. But you got to get, the faster you can snap out of that, the better and do like. And the beauty, there's beauty too, because, because when you are empathic, and you feel their stuff, and you flip it around. The empathy works both directions. Just the fact that you're feeling it doesn't mean that they aren't also experiencing something. So when you feel whatever their pain is that they're going on, you flip it over into something positive, and you send it back. They feel that too. It works both ways. So we got to remember that. Just because you're an empath doesn't mean it's all what you're receiving. It's also what you're putting out. It's both. Yeah, I think. Um, I think. <clears throat> Empathy is, is like you said, well, it's the feeling somebody else's emotions and compassion is your desire to help with those emotions. Okay. I think to me, that's the difference. That's a good difference. Yeah. I think the main thing is I'm just still, make sure I'm you still, know. I, I'm, still, 
I'm still on the empathy is seeking right a deeper understanding. But, you know, it's also Marshall Rosen. It's also uh, Marshall Rosenberg's teachings of nonviolent communication that I'm taking this from, to be clear, that the that empathy is that understanding. And I can I can pull out the book and, and get a little bit clearer. But the pack that really I think what it really is, what it, Neo said was was on point from the book, The Untethered Soul. Don't get stuck in a loop de loop of hell. Because the other person brings you, look, I'm going to call, now we're going to go into trauma bonding because that's all that is. You got somebody who's talking to you. Trauma bonding is what happens when you're seeking somebody else. Like I get somebody who calls me up and they're going through a horrible experience. But rather than me doing what Walt's saying and give them a positive back or what Neo's saying, I wish them well or I, I see them as well. I get into their stuff with them in a trauma, in a trauma bonded situation. Okay. And trauma bonding is when you have something, I've been through this experience and I've got a ton and oh, well, I'm going through this. Oh, we both have been this through this together and you're supporting each other in the trauma versus in the doing what Walt or Neo is saying. And that is saying to reverse it. So, Empath versus empathy are, they're just words. What is your intention behind the word? What is it that you're trying to achieve? And what is it that you want for yourself? Fuck the word. Let's just, let's get down to what do you, what do you want for your outcome? What do you want? What do you want to be for the people that are there with you for this outcome? What do you want in your own life? So I'm not going to get hung up on anything especially a word because word is just a word, but rather the intention and, and Neo, that's where you're, you're right about that. Well, you're right about that. Joe, you're right about that. Luis is right about that. And I'm right about that because everybody's right in their own perspective. How about absolutely. that one? Point. Point. Yeah. It's true. It's absolutely you know true. And to top that off, it doesn't matter how right you are if you're not using it. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, matter. Right. Not a damn stinking bit, does it? Not a... And that's, that's accountability. That's accountability, man. You got to wake Dude, up in the morning. That's why I call them mental exercises. Because mm-hmm. to yeah. me, that's what it is. You're flexing that brain. You're changing it as a muscle into a different kind of muscle. Yeah. And you got to do them every day. You know, how much do you want it? You get out of things that you put into it, you know? This is where I really like right. the Abraham Hicks concept. And it got they're, they're, the ones, they're, they're the ones who promote the idea uh, that all this is vibrational that everything that happens in our lives, in the perspective of source energy, in God's perspective, however you want to look at it, all of it is vibrational. And and the, the universe is vibrational. And all of our exchanges are vibrational. So when I when we think about it that way, it, now it doesn't really matter what the, the word labels are. Now the question is just, you know, where's your vibration at? Is it a high vibration or is it a low vibration? Is it higher than it was before? Is it lower than it was before? And that's it. And everything else is just labeling. It also makes for great shows, but you know, that's basically it right there. <laughs> and the tools are basically ways to increase the vibration, you know, laughing and being silly, um, singing, dancing, any of those things. I was telling Walt this summer, we didn't get out ride bikes very often, but whenever I get on my bike, I feel about 12 years old and I love it because <laughs> You know, that's when I rode my bike the most, when I was about 12. So if I'm going to feel 12 years old, 
By all means, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Absolutely. Just don't try any of those tricks you tried at 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Luckily, I was a card. <laughs> All right, I'm loving where you where you just took this, Louise. Play, play. Yeah. All right, here's here it is. So Karen Palmer, who I started Spirituality Gone Wild with many many moons ago, she she was her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Karen. Happy birthday. But I'm going to read this to you all because this is Karen. She had me in stitches. She's she's all about if you get into it with somebody, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. <laughs> Let me read. <laughs> so, I love it. I love it. She's Miss Kindness, man. We're going to have her on the show. You guys, we got to get Karen on. So it says this. She sends this to me. I welcome all things with wonder and curiosity. I let everything be and enjoy. I choose to be truly helpful and listen to my inner guidance always. I am gentleness, acceptance, and ease no matter what. When I find myself upset and dis or disturbed, I remember the truth, and I do the hokey pokey, and I turn myself around and love because that's what it's all about. I make a joke about it because it's silly. I have never been abandoned. I have never been rejected. And I have, I am loved and cherished beyond words. I am too wonderful for words, and so is everything and everyone. We are all the same inside. I am the only one who needs to believe this, and so I choose again. I fall back into grace, knowing that I just that I just say, oops, I projected again, got out of my heart, went into my mind. Oh, baby, baby, I created a mess. And I gently laugh, do the hokey pokey, and turn myself around because that's what love is all about. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> love it. Karen, love. I love you. I like that. I like that. Karen Palmer. Miss Kindness. She, she wasn't even here and she was here. Oh, that's it. It's being gentle with oneself. Being gentle with oneself. And I think it was. When I was in therapy myself, finding a new definition for the word mistake, if you think of it from a Hollywood movie perspective, it's a miss over again. It's not, you know, the world doesn't end. You just do it again, do it over and do it differently. So I'm not a mistake. I, you know, if I made a mistake, it's not. Like it was when I was a kid, you're wrong, you're bad, whatever. It's just, I made a mistake. I'll try again. And that was responsibility, taking responsibility. I, for so many people, young people, it's like, oh my God, you know, that's well, think that the sky's going to fall on them. You know, negativity goes with it. Other than, and, hey, I really, messed up i you know i i did it early i would like to make amends but different realize what i did and i'm gonna try and do it differently and comes out of whoever you're talking to maybe you ended or whatever um that i did is Poor Louise is having a little trouble there. She's, she's actually not far away from the Wi-Fi modem, so that's what the connection's causing the problem with right now. Walt is stealing uh, all the bandwidth. 
Feeling all the bad ways. Well, I should do the hokey pokey. But what I heard Louise saying was, take it easy with yourself. And if you, and I think she also said that to look at the word mistake as a mistake. Right. A mistake. I like Do that. it again. Do it. And she said, do it again and do it differently. Now, there's the key right there. She said the most important thing that's been said this entire show. You have the choice to do it differently. How's it working for you? If you did a mistake, what can you do differently next time around? If you're doing the same thing over and over, you know that's a, it's insanity. So stop that. So I love what she had to say, and she brought it. That, that and I love that hokey pokey, man. So before we, I know we're getting ready to end. And Joe, do you have because you haven't said a whole lot because I talk a lot. So, and I love that my mouth makes. Me there's nothing new here, by the way. You you talk a lot even when Joe isn't here. <laughs> I just do. It's, yeah. I'm totally fine with it. I'm the I'm the quiet one anyway. So uh, this was perfect for me. I got to talk for a few minutes and 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 say hi to you guys live on on the internet so which is great we love that it's cool yeah i think one of the words that keeps coming up in my mind and it's because it's because debbie uh and i talk about it a lot and i think it's a really important word and it uh is curiosity and i think as long as we're always curious about we talked about empathy and compassion and all that stuff but i think i think a key word in all of that is being curious What's real for the other person? What's real for you? What's real for everybody? You know, so always be curious. We talked about little babies and how they don't do anything, but just, you know, come out of the womb and they're perfect, you know? Um, and then they're curious. That's all they are is they're little sponges and they're just curious. Never stop being curious, you know? I love uh, Neo, and I wanted to share this with you because I don't think you've ever seen it, but I've been wearing this for five months too, brother. I think this was a uh, Christmas gift for my daughter last year. I always have some kind of Superman chain, and she got this one. I love it. Debbie bought it for me for my birthday in July. So, all right. I always call you Superman when I come on when I'm in the audience, just saying stuff, and that's why. So that's why I wear it. That's it. I just want that response. Hey, Superman! I just need that energy from everybody. (laughs) Thanks for having me on today, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me oh, on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. I, I want to add one more thing too. And it's along the same lines as the idea of the mistake. Um, something that Cindy Chavez and I once talked about, which is the definition of the word sin. Sin has a lot of negative baggage that gets attached to it um, through the way it gets used in organized religion. Uh, but you look at the original definition, you go back the etymology, as they call it, when you go back to the origins of the word, the word sin apparently just means nothing more than to miss the mark. And that's all it is. There is nothing else there. There is no, there, there is no morality attached to it. There is no, you should have, you shouldn't have. There, there's none of that. It's just, you missed the mark. You aimed at the target and you didn't hit the bullseye. So what do you do when you don't hit the bullseye? You re-aim. You start all over. You just do it again. There's, there is no shame. There's no blame. There's not, none of that. That's all nonsense. So just a little thought for you guys about what the word sin really means, because it isn't what it's usually thought to have meant. And with that thought in mind, I want to say to everybody, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you celebrate, or even if you don't celebrate anything at all, a Happy That Too, whatever it is that you call it that you do. Thank you very much to all of our podcast listeners. Thank you for listening to us throughout the years. 
we're looking forward to continue doing it next year. In fact, we're going to be doing the New Year's Eve special a week from today. So you want to join us from that. And with that in mind, we'll say we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.